0: Welcome back to Tower Talks, your conversational podcast from Washington National Cathedral. We're connecting you with the Cathedral from afar, with stories from our docents, volunteers, staff, and artists who have each contributed to make the Cathedral such a special place to be. In today's episode, we're talking to George Fergus, assistant organist at the Cathedral. George has a wide range of responsibilities associated with his work, from playing worship services, accompanying the Boys and Girls choirs, and providing organ demonstrations to visitors twice a week when the building is open. You may also remember George in his red cap playing Baby Shark on the cathedral's organ to cheer on our World Series Champion Nationals baseball team. I chatted with George about his path to the cathedral, what he loves about the building, and how on earth he's managing to teach and conduct choirs from home. Here's George on this episode of Tower Talks. Hi George, thank you so much for talking to us today. <laughs>
1: It's my pleasure.
0: So for those who don't know, um, who are you, where are you from, and what do you do at the cathedral?
1: I am George Fergus. I'm the Associate Director of Music and Assistant Organist at the cathedral, uh, which is, I think, the the third title I've had in my three and a half years here. Uh, every year it changes, so it's gotten it's gone from a, the longest title at the cathedral down to one of the shortest and now back up to sort of this dual hat title. Incredible. I'm originally from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, mm. By way of Minnesota, and then moved to New England, and back and down to D.C.
0: Oh, okay, we're in New England.
1: I went to Yale for grad school, so I was in okay. New Haven, Connecticut.
0: Got it. I'm from Massachusetts, which is why I ask. Oh. <laughs> so, how did you begin playing the organ? Like, was that a part of your like childhood life growing up, or was that someone something that you came to later?
1: I grew up as a child of two church musicians, mm. one professional and one amateur, and they both sang in the church choir. And so I attended church every Sunday morning in the choir gallery instead of in the pews down on the floor. Uh, It was great fun to get to sing the hymns up there. The organ was in the choir gallery. So I got to sing with the full force of the organ and watch the organist play. I went to Christmas Eve mass and fell asleep on the pews in the choir gallery listening to Christmas carols. So uh, from a very young age, I think being a church musician was sort of spread into me in a way. Uh, I took started taking lessons from the minister of music at my church at about age 12 or so after playing piano for some years before that. And it just grew from there.
0: So at what point did you decide, I'm going to pursue this as not only just something that I do in my life, but as my career, like that's where I'm going?
1: Well, I had two uh, turning point moments, I guess you could call them. Uh, One was in high school during the summer I went to, and this is probably the nerdiest thing I will ever do. I went to an organ camp, Mm -hmm. which is like band camp or sleepaway camp, but it's a week long camp Mm -hmm. at Baylor University in Waco, Texas, where I just got to take an organ lesson every day and practice and go do all sorts of fun, cool things, um, all related to pipe organs.
0: If it makes you feel any better, I went to opera camp as a child, so (laughs) you're fine.
1: (laughs) Great. Yeah, well, that was in high school. And that was what set me on track to go do an undergrad in organ performance and church music. And then after that, I sort of transitioned in undergrad towards wondering if I wanted to do opera and musical theater as a conductor. So I did a lot of that in undergrad, and had a gig lined up for the fall after I graduated. Uh, I was also working at a church. And I was doing some arranging of the orchestra parts, rearranging everything for a score and realized that that busy work was deathly boring. Mm. And then I went to work the next day at the church, cleaned out the music library and said, Oh, I don't mind this at all. And that's actually what made the decision for me to, to focus on church music is that even at the most boring times, I still enjoyed what I was doing.
0: That's a great thing to realize like that moment where you're like, Wait a minute. <laughs> I actually really enjoy this whole hog and yeah, there, unironically.
1: There are high points in both, but it's the low points that that occupy most of the time of the job, which is mm-hmm. just sort of the reality of life.
0: Mm-hmm. So, was that sort of where you decided to stay with the church, the church organist path rather than going into like concert organ?
1: Yeah. I've never really liked performing all that much. It, that was really brought to the forefront uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then as as we were doing the recordings for the Easter day organ recital. I love playing church services and all of that music that I played, I've played for church before, but it it takes on a different feel to do it to an empty nave with no one but the microphones listening. I hate that feeling. That's so weird. There's no energy. Uh, mm-hmm. Even playing a live concert is totally different than that. And I, I don't want that type of, of, sort of the staleness of the concert it's it's not appealing to me in the same way that playing church is.
0: It's kind of amazing to me. I mean, I come from theater and music background too. And uh, how many people and performers I know who uh, who really dislike performing but do it anyway? <laughs> but I have well, to. Well, for you know. me,
1: playing for a church service is not performing at all. It's mm-hmm. I might be playing the exact same piece, but it's contributing to the the drama of the liturgy, even mm-hmm. from playing a prelude or a postlude. Um, those are connected to the liturgy and to the message of the service and the readings and the hymns and all of that
0: mm. it's not about
1: performing a postlude it's it's offering it as part of a worship service mm.
0: that difference does actually resonate and make sense now that you kind of point out to it because it's part of something bigger as opposed to being about you or about like how beautiful your organ music is as much as it is beautiful to listen to it's part of it
1: and that uh, it makes difference too with or it's, i guess it doesn't make a difference uh who's listening I could play a piece for a Wednesday Even song or a Monday Even song, and there's no one there. Um, and I'm, I'll still play the same piece when it's being broadcast on an 1115 Sunday morning service.
0: How did you specifically end up at the cathedral from sort of Yale and then moving on? How did, what was the connection there? After my two
1: years of a graduate degree at Yale, I was looking for jobs. I needed to, to make money once I graduated. And mm-hmm. the Association of Anglican Musicians, has a postgraduate internship fellowship type situation. And this job moves from church to church every year um, with different parishes and cathedrals sponsoring it, uh, essentially providing half of the, the, the salary for the job and the Association of Anglican Musicians provides the other half. And it gives a just graduated church musician a chance to dive in to the deep end, so to speak in a big church music program. And uh, the year that I graduated, it was scheduled to to happen the next year at the National Cathedral. So I, I got the job there, got my foot in the door, so to speak, as mm-hmm. the, this was my long title that is uh, the longest title in cathedral history, which is the Association of Anglican Musicians, Jerry Hancock Fellow in Church Music, I think. Yep, you win. Something like that. <laughs> um, and then at the end of that 10-month position, I was rehired, I suppose, at the mm-hmm. cathedral as assistant organist, which fit on business cards a lot better.
0: And probably your name tag was a lot smaller. It wasn't like, you know, an 8 by 10 Yeah.
1: I just had to get a t-shirt that wrapped around in the back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You're like, don't even ask about my title. <laughs> I'm just here. <laughs> oh, amazing. So then you've just stayed since then, presumably, mm-hmm. and sort yeah. of done that. So do you have a favorite type of piece or style of music to play? Like, are there certain hymns or styles of hymns that you're just like, I am so happy that this is part of the program today? Uh, or, you know, the thing that just brings you a lot of joy?
1: I love old warhorse hymns. Mm. Um, the old, really the classics, um, probably the hymns that everyone knows. And most people who went to church in their childhood grew up singing, crown him with many crowns, hallelujah, sing to Jesus. All of the Easter chestnuts, those are so great. Um, And anything that even as far away from the congregation as I am back in the great choir of the cathedral, I can hear the congregation singing. It's an electrifying feeling to hear that resonance in the building that's not just from me playing loud on the organ. Mm -hmm. In terms of organ repertoire, I tend towards romantic music with a Mm -hmm. capital R, meaning the time period of about 1825 up to anywhere in the 20th century, where it dissolves into post-tonal stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite composers are Louis Vierne, who's a French symphonic organ composer from the early 20th century, and Herbert Howells, who's a 20th century British composer, Mm -hmm. both of them lifelong church musicians who served the church in their music. They played their own music for church services and were career musicians.
0: So, obviously... Any organ, but especially our organ, is very much an integrated part of the building that it is in. That's sort of the nature of the beast. Are there things that are special or unique about the cathedral's organ that you know that maybe other people don't realize?
1: Hmm. I think the cathedral's organ is unique in that it has a couple of strata of organ building techniques if that makes sense, and maybe it doesn't make sense, and I'll try to elucidate that. The organ was built in 1937 and 1938, and it was built in an older style in terms of styles of organ building. This one was going out of fashion at that point, but it's the old 19-teens and 20s symphonic organ, which was designed with a sort of a horizontal aspect in mind. It was designed to emulate the warmth and breadth of color of a symphony orchestra. And so it was built in this antique style and then renovated in the sixties and seventies into the almost the opposite style, if it if I can use that term. It takes it from being horizontal and turns it to vertical. Mm-hmm. These are very oblique terms to use in terms of acoustics and organ sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually they can they're accompanied in organ demonstration with demonstrations of the different types of sounds. But it became rather than a warm sort of a, a nice hug with a big, comfy fleece jacket on mm-hmm. um, to a very piercing, striking sound. Those two sounds don't work together all the time, mm-hmm. but, but it means that we have this wide breadth of sound. So to use something like the warm sound in a, a recording you can find on YouTube of the, the Nimrod from Elgar's Enigma Variations, Mm-hmm. takes that early 1938 sound and then something like the uh, opening piece from the organ recital a couple of days ago the eugene gigu grand Corps dialogue which is a very bright loud brassy sound both of them are, are great fun to play but not at the same time they <laughs> they fight each other sort of like uh, magnets face uh, the wrong direction
0: they're two divas of different timbre <laughs> there are almost two different organs mm. And that is a big difference between our organ and, say, a smaller organ at a church, right? Like at a smaller church or something like that?
1: Yeah, a smaller organ at a different church would have to pick one. We have the luxury of having enough space to have enough pipes to do all of these different sounds.
0: Mm -hmm. There are over 10,000 pipes in the organ in the cathedral, right? Am I getting that correct?
1: Correct. There are 10,647. That's the number I always throw out there that I memorized my first week on the job.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the one that comes up in organ demos all the time because people are like, hey, how many pipes are there? Speaking of organ demonstrations, that's something that we do when the building is open, which of course it's not right now. But that is something that you do regularly when we do have access to the building. What is your favorite question you've ever been asked by somebody during an organ demonstration?
1: Well, let me start with my least favorite question. And maybe those people listening to this who are excited to come to an organ demonstration will not ask this question because I always <laughs> internally roll my eyes. And that question is, can you play Phantom of the Opera? Oh. And that is not a slight against Andrew Lloyd Webber or his musical, but the Phantom of the Opera organ sound, I'm doing air quotes here for mm-hmm. uh, for podcast listeners, is is a synth sound. It's not a real organ. There's no organ in the Broadway Hall. And usually I say, well you know that's not a real organ yeah i will say my favorite comment was one time i was doing an organ demonstration for a first grade class Mm. and they all came parading past the organ console at the end and i was standing there and mostly standing there to say don't touch don't touch but one of them said it looks like an airplane and i went yeah buddy it does (laughs)
0: You're like, yes, it has that many controls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's incredible. I love uninhibited small children commentary. I think it's the best commentary out there because they haven't yet learned to like keep it quiet. So they're just like unmitigated joy. And it's so fun.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you have any other fun stories about maybe a demo that went a- a way that you weren't expecting or maybe even something that kind of went awry or just any sort of visitor interaction that sort of struck you as particularly notable or fun?
1: I do have one. Um, it was after an organ recital.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, it was, I think it was a Christmas Day organ recital. So this is after an entire month of, of working every day and concerts every weekend and mm-hmm. just exhausted and just want to go home and have Christmas dinner and take a nap. And uh, Benjamin Straley, the previous organist, and I were at the back of the church greeting people. And a man came up Who may very well hear this podcast. Uh, He's a regular at our organ recitals. Mm -hmm. He introduced himself as the grandson of a famous French organ builder. He lives in D.C. and he comes to all of the Christmas and Easter organ recitals. It's really fascinating and humbling to to meet him and to to feel connected to that part of the organ building tradition.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, what would you say is your favorite part of what you do? Are there aspects of the job that you maybe didn't expect that bring you a lot of joy? Definitely my
1: favorite part of the job is making music with other people. That's a, mm-hmm. a huge part of being a church musician. Um, from playing hymns to playing the service music to accompanying the choir and working with our choir. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely the part that I'm missing the most in this quarantine. Yeah. Uh, we try to do Zoom rehearsals, but it's just not the same. Uh, being in the choir room with, with our girls' choir and our boys' choir and then playing even songs three days a week with the the choristers and then also with our pro singers who make up the rest of the choir. I really miss that. That is now that we we step back and sort of reset everything I realize that that's far and away the the most meaningful part of my job.
0: And it's so difficult to make collaborative art from a distance. Well Uh, it's it's
1: I mean I, I shouldn't say this because I'm trying to do it but it's impossible. Even as good as technology is in 2020, there's still a, a time delay between when you hear the music and when you sing, and when it gets back to the other person. It's mm-hmm. it's not possible to sing together or to make music together.
0: Mm-hmm. We so do our w-
1: best, and and some of that is coming out on on the cathedral's broadcast. But yeah,
0: yeah, we're sort of in this place where we kind of have to make the best of it, which is both a frustration and a great source of challenge and growth and a way of saying, okay, well, we can't do this thing the way we want to do it. Can we still do it? If not, what else can we do? Or how can we modify?
1: With with, uh, communal music making, there's there's two parts of that. There's the music, Mm -hmm. but there's also the community. Mm -hmm. And being a part of a choir is just as much about being a part of the community as it is being a musician and we've found in in leading our course or rehearsals via zoom that it doesn't matter if we sing or not that what Mm -hmm. matters is that we're together Uh, having a bunch of fourth fifth and sixth grade boys on a zoom call is absolute utter chaos
0: you don't say (laughs) and i hate
1: to stop them i hate to say hey guys we have to actually have a rehearsal now because it's so much fun to get to watch them reconnect after not seeing each other in a choir space for a whole week and i just want to chat with them and let them chat and yeah. and hear the joy in their voices to for being a part of the the community again
0: yeah having grown up in choir myself i really can't imagine being forcibly separated from my choir for months at a time like we only saw each other once a week and the choristers here see each other a lot more but even then i was like I'm thinking about this the other day and I was like what would I what would I have done if that wasn't part of my childhood anymore and I think I would have had a really hard time with that to be honest with you
1: It's so hard for for the choristers but also for the staff and
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's what keeps us going but yeah. we have those I was talking earlier about the high moments daily rehearsals, at 7.15 with the boys are some of my high moments in the week. And the girls as well, their schedule's different than the boys' schedule, but it's still, It's I look forward to those rehearsals when they pop up on my calendar.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one day we will go back and yeah. we will enjoy them all the more for having been denied them for so long. Mm-hmm. So speaking of sort of favorite things, do you have a favorite place or thing in the building itself, like part of the cathedral that you're excited to return to?
1: The organ console.
0: -hmm. I probably could have guessed that, but (laughs) Uh, yeah,
1: probably. I'm very out of practice. Uh, We have a piano here at home, but I don't play it as much as I would like to, and Mm -hmm. it's just not the same. Yeah, getting sit back down at the organ console and play music for people to sing. I have lots of ideas bouncing around in my head for things to do once it's safe to gather in large numbers again. I hope that once everything does reopen, that people will be looking for a place to go, and I, I hope that we, as cathedral employees, and can offer programs that are interesting and attractive to, to folks who are looking for events
0: outside of their house. Yeah, absolutely. I know I will be probably going to the cathedral more often because like, I just need to like see humans again.
1: Well, we should, we should suggest an all staff party once we're done. Once yes. it's safe to do so. Whenever I that like will be. that
0: idea. Yeah, we should. And you guys can play baby shark on the organ and we can all dance.
1: Well, we had this great idea to, to take my son who's about almost three months old now. And put get a baby shark costume for him, mm-hmm. and put him in it in, at the end of March for the beginning of the nationals season. But now mm-hmm. that's been pushed and delayed indefinitely. So yeah. it'll be maybe we'll do it anyways whenever that whenever baseball starts back up again.
0: Yep, <laughs> whenever all of the things start back up again.
1: Uh, lots of great plans to take him to to baseball games and get him started early as a baseball fan. But I'll have to wait a little bit longer.
0: It'll happen for sure. It will. Yeah. Nothing can stop the baseball spirit, particularly the cathedral. Actually, well, this was fun. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and you know, sort of walking away from your very cute son sure. <laughs> to he's, talk to me. He's being super
1: chilled right now. He's in his bouncer. He's looking at Carrie. Carrie's sitting at the dining room table doing doing her work that she's yeah has to do as part of a cathedral employee. Absolutely. He's, he's a clam sitting there. He's found his hands, so he likes to eat his hands right now. Ah. Picked him up yesterday and like, buddy, your hand's cold. Oh, it's gross and soggy.
0: <laughs> like, oh, you're just covered in spit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> could be worse. all the time.
0: Yeah. It, it could be
1: worse, actually.
0: Yeah. He's a cutie patootie. He's a great kid. Yeah. Um, I, My uncle was delighted to know, by the way, that he was not at all perturbed by the organ because it contributed more evidence to his theory, um, also being a church organist that um, children who are exposed to the organ in utero are like totally fine with it versus children who (laughs) don't experience it in utero are terrified of it (laughs) and he was like yeah george said that that you know little teddy was totally fine and he was like yes (laughs) so and he was
1: falling asleep towards the end of my recital Mm -hmm. this is back in february Mm -hmm. and then the last piece started and it went from a very very soft piece to a very loud piece Mm -hmm. startled but he's fine
0: yeah and that was more about volume than (laughs) probably yeah 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 Anyway, that's adorable. Well, thank you so much for taking yeah, the time to talk to me. Fun. Yeah, it's been really nice to sort of get to know you and hear more about the organ. And um, yeah, I hope I hope we all get back to it soon. I, I do miss yeah. hearing uh, one of the sort of private joys of working in the cathedral is that we get to hear you play the organ in the morning before the doors open. And occasionally we're like, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> or something you yes. start and restart or something. But it's just so fun to listen to it at like, you know, eight o'clock in the morning or whatever. When yeah, I was going to say the
1: earlier in the morning you arrive, the more wrong notes you're going to hear.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, the coffee hasn't kicked in right yet, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to coming back to that and letting people back in the doors so we can make music together. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, All I right. think that's everything. Thank okay. you so much. Have sure. a good rest of Great your day, George. To you. you yeah, too. you too. Take care. Bye. Bye. again to George for participating in this week's episode, and as always, thank you to you for listening. You can stay connected with the Cathedral and check out recordings of organ demonstrations, worship services, recitals, and so much more by visiting our website at www.cathedral.org and exploring our digital portal. We hope you're still safe and well, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on Tower Talks.